The real person, and we're going, What? We're getting rid of this guy. Pete Ferrero. I'm feeling wonderful. <laughs> Kathleen looks crush, TV crush worthy. Like so many special guests, and all your questions. Live on the Beverly Hills 90210 show. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, Chuck, what's going on? It's uh, Hi, how are you? Uh, I'm in a different good. location here. You know, I'm uh, I'm in New Jersey for a couple of weeks, and uh, you're in Venice yeah. Beach. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's uh, there. You know, you're. I know where we're going, to, and one of the guests we're bringing on, uh, Dan Adius, he's in New York. So we've got the East Coast time uh, represented on this. Uh, particular podcast and i won't comment on that mets hat it's okay <laughs> well, be delusional be delusional <laughs> it's one of those days hey before we bring everybody on and talk about the pit and the pendulum we got to talk about uh our our story slam 90210 that's coming up uh i know i'm super excited we're getting some really good ones here oh, uh, cool. i just you know because i can't know i'm not allowed to know what's coming in and that's right. how Larry is. Larry able to join us? Is he coming? I have not seen. I don't see Larry okay, back. Let's understand. This is you know we're in yeah. second season two here. Right. But yeah. The, uh, you know the 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 story slam is just. I was just thinking about it because it it's such a fun. Uh, you know we want, like to do some fan centric stuff. That's Planet Hollywood. But it was about Planet Nine Hundred Two and Oh. Certainly the Brenda Kelly teams. You know, we we really enjoy that notion of of the interaction and getting to know people and allowing and and we realized we could do something that no other TV show is going to do, which is say, put yourself in West Beverly High or California University, one or the other, put yourself into a story, and you and just make sure that it's got a, a couple of beats. I meet Brandon, Brandon and I do this. And then Brandon and I do this. And right. then the episode picks up again. You know, it's just you're interluded to anything you want to do. And, you know, Saved by the Bell is not going to do this with their fans. <laughs> They're just, definitely they not. Much, they've got too much writing on the new TV show. That's right. So, and, and you know, what do you think? Aaron Sorkin in West Wing? Never. Aaron's not going to let anybody touch a word of what is going to be there. So we here... Uh, you know, can do something kind of unique, and and Larry and I are really looking forward to talking story and uh, and and playing pretend. Yeah, I can't wait. So all you have to do to participate and have some fun with us is submit a thirty second video to any of our social media through DM and uh, pitch us your story. Hey, after today, I might want to hook up with Marcy St. Clair. I mean, have you seen what she looks like in this episode? I mean, and and today, I know I got a, a preview. You know what I mean? So that might be yeah, something fine. I want to do. <laughs> what do you guys want to do? I mean, I'm sure there are p plenty of people. I mean, Maggie sent one the other day that she's a uh, 
that she's of course she's got something that she met david in 94 she had a whole thing so there's been some really good ones coming through and uh it's super exciting so make sure you send us a dm and uh and get in on this because it's going to be a lot of fun it's april 7th that we're going to do them uh i can't right. and larry and i and the one thing that we liked that we, really that everybody just should know is that it, it's open to anybody who's listening to this and larry and i will have no idea who pitched what or anything like that uh, until the day we're until we're live on the air. That's right. That's exactly it. So we know how that might go. It can go <laughs> 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 all right. So uh, let me play a little promo for that. When we come back from that promo, uh, all of our people will be here. Did you dream of dating Dylan McKay? Or maybe you were Donna Martin's other BFF. Oh my God. Or did oh. you ever think who you might hang out with at CU? I mean, I know Pete wishes he dated Claire. I really am a Claire. Yeah, we clearly all know that. So, what's your story? We want to know. Check it. On April 7th, for our one-year anniversary, the Beverly Hills 90210 Show will present Story Slam 90210, in which you pitch your story. Charles Rosen and Larry Mullen then take your fantasy and make it into a reality by developing your idea. So, how do you play... Send us a 30-second or less video via DM to any of our social media platforms pitching your story. Then, some lucky winners will get to be on the show and have their stories developed by the writers. So don't miss Story Slam 90210 on April 7th. All right, that should be a lot of fun, but look what we have now. A story Full that was house. already developed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Full house with uh, so many greats here. Uh, Dan Adius. You're in New York. You're right, right across the bridge from me to this oh. week. Um, how you're have you been, man? Uh, you're prepping a show for Showtime. How's it going? Uh, yeah, I'm directing Billions. Uh, it's gone well, but it's very bizarre working in the time of COVID. Uh, you know, everything oh. is uh, three three times a week testing and badges and sections and uh you know, no access, like, you know, once actors are brought to the set, I'm not directing it, I'm just prepping, but I know once actors are brought to the set, you know, no touch-ups, no running in to fix a prop. That's it, guys. We've all been tested and cleaned. This is what we're doing. So in some ways, it, it makes it more streamlined, but uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's strange. And then you have has actors it, who might has have- it, Has it affected how you place the camera? Well, I haven't done it yet. I've just been prepping. Oh. Uh, but I don't think so. I mean, you know, it's like once you get your actors, they've all been cleared. But uh, and and yeah, so it seems to be going well. They've been shooting for the last uh, four weeks. It's gone well. Awesome. Oh, good. Oh, good. And then, of course, we have uh, Liz Vassy here, Marcy St. Clair in the episode. Uh, wow. It is awesome to have you here. How, how are things going with you? Everything is great. I just noticed my cat wanted to make an appearance. He's over my shoulder. So he's a big fan of the show, big fan of all of yours. So he That's just awesome. Yeah. Um, everything is good. Yeah. I mean, um, we we did this episode so long ago. I, I, I had such a great time. And I went back and watched it before I came here today, honestly, so I could remember what I did. <laughs> and uh, it was really fun. It was fun to look back. It was fun to see old hair, old clothes. <laughs> well, you were you were looking good, and uh, Chuck and I watched it this week, and we said you had some Ivanka Trump vibes uh, at some parts in this. 
<laughs> no, just daddy. See just uh, relationship to the developer, the daddy's girl. To yeah, that's where I was going with that. That's what he was talking about. Nothing to do with social values. Oh, exactly. Um, and then, of course, everybody has wanted this person on our show. They keep asking Diane Kennedy, who, uh, you know, was with the show in the most interesting time doing costumes and wardrobe. Diane, how's everything with you? I mean, someone wants me to ask you about a red dress, I'm sure. Uh, oh, which one? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of red on that show, right? That's right, yes. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, and I know there's an infamous story with, with that, but uh, how are things going with you? You're in New Orleans now, right? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm doing well. I, uh, I grew up down here and I came back to take care of my mom. Uh, and then I had plans to come back to California, but my son, who's a football coach, came down and he's gainfully employed here. So I stayed and now I'm a grandma. And um, we have we have one two year old and one uh, coming on this coming Monday. Oh, that's oh. yeah. Awesome. So, um, so it's pretty exciting. I've been doing a lot of dog rescue my favorite and um, renovating a Victorian house. Nice. In, uh, in New Orleans? Yes. Oh, uh -huh. really? I did a lot of the work myself. So it's it's been eight years, <laughs> but it's finished. And but it was post, it was post um, the hurricane. Yeah, you could see the, the ground through the floor when I bought it. So it was, mm. Uh, mm. It was in bad shape, but uh, it's beautiful now. Our friend Kristen McIsaac says, I love Diane's work so much. Lots of exclamation points. The hair accessories. Yes. <laughs> uh, Andrew Kinney, welcome back uh, to the show again. So much really great stuff, man. And this, and this, uh, Chuck and I watched again, like I said earlier this week, and all these models and these, these uh, 3D video. I can't wait to talk about all that. But we always like to start with the writers, Chuck and Jessica or Charles and Jessica, um, let's talk about the pit, the, the, the pit and the, and, and the pendulum. Charles, right. where, where does that? Well, you, got, you know, one of the things is I got to start by giving a shout out to a lot of, if, if there anybody here who went to Beverly Hills High School, there might be some because we're, we're, we, that's where we're building to. Dan went there. I went there. And, and I don't know, Dan, did you used to ever drive your car up to the car hop at Dolores's? Were you a regular there or an ever there? Yeah, I missed, I missed, I've been there. I had been there, but I wasn't a regular. Uh, well, that's how I kind of, we all spent our senior year, uh, mm -hmm. Friday nights. We would cruise by once or twice, sometimes even three times to see who was there. It was our American graffiti. And it was, a, it was the, preeminent place in my senior year to go for munchies. So that's what you knew that everybody in every car had in common. So it was also really, you know, fun after the football games, after the, the basketball games and, and things like that. So and, and in 1982, someone from the class of 71, uh, a, a boy of means, uh, was going to be a is a developer, and he ripped it down to put in a particularly ugly building with the red with the red lobster in it. And I'm I'm sparing his name, but Dan, I'll 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 send you an email and uh, <laughs> let you know who I'm talking about. Uh, did you know? Can you guess? And I thought it was uh, a developer I ran across too, who was 
you know, was in my ill favor for maybe I maybe I gave him bad credit. Maybe it's just, I don't, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll compare notes after. Yeah, right. But anyway, that had always stuck with me, and this was an interesting episode. Jess, I did some research on it because we wrote it over Christmas, and we did not expect it, and that meant that you know Dan would be filming it in in you know probably in late January. It didn't air to mid. March and and by the way, it was right. There. And the next episode also was directed by Dan Adius. That was in Baby Make Five. So it was it was an episode that we we had to put in development. You know, we had twenty eight episodes to do twenty eight hours. TV shows were geared to twenty two, and and we were not yet in real time, and so. You know, you just had to grab for an episode. Well, we're, we're doing with this this week or this this week. We didn't have the story arcs that became part and parcel of what we did uh, starting in season three with the triangle, which right. changed everything. So this show was just kind of slotted in and, and, and people were not thrilled because we were doing a story that centered around an adult. To start with that. Jess, you want to say something about that? I want to say a couple things. First of all, in re-watching this episode, I was struck by the fact that structurally it wasn't built like any of the other episodes. There was only one story. Normally we had, we'd had we have an A story and a B story and sometimes a C story. This had an A story. There were some things going on in there that, had, that were like tangents to the A story, but that struck me as unusual. Interesting. And... The other thing was, I do remember arguing. Maybe I wasn't a loud arguer yet. I, I can't imagine I ever kept my mouth shut. But I, I do know that um, I was very. Um, I believe that stories about business didn't work, and they, that they particularly didn't work in a television show about teenagers. That no one would care. And what I was really struck by in rewatching this show is you made us care. And it, and the way you made us care was the Peach Pit was a character. And Nat uh, did, Joey did a really good job in this episode expressing the emotion that was connected to the Peach Pit. And suddenly it wasn't a show about business at all. Yeah. It was a show about history. And I, I, I was very, Dan, you must have had a lot to do with making this feel emotional at, when it could have felt so dry and it didn't at any moment. So, and to you too, Drew, you made it visually. So I was impressed. For Dan, I'm curious, you get the script this episode. Um, what did you think of it at first? Well, let's see, 35 years ago when I did it. Plus, Dan you know, did I a lot really, of episodes. Did you say? I said you did a lot of episodes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now I was happy. I was always happy happy with the scripts. It was really a fun show to do. And, and you know, in watching it again, I was reminded, I, I, what I really liked about it uh, in re-watching it, and I'm sure it was what I liked about it at the time, was not falling back on any simple uh, analysis of what of what was right. 
you know, it's, it was very well, even like even handedly presented, I think that, uh, you know, supporting Jim, he was trying to support his family development does happen. You know, I thought the arguments were not, uh, sometimes in shows like this, you know, you wait it to one and say, make the evil developer or the over idealistic kid. And it was, they were both really good arguments and it wasn't an easy thing to answer and history. Yes. History is important. Uh, which is kind of probably more my bias on the other hand, you know, uh, the whole thing about it does provide jobs. So, so I liked the way it didn't resolve things in a way that minimized, you know, it, it kept alive the discussion in a way. And it just kind of ended because it had to end, uh, which in a way was right. I mean, because you couldn't, you couldn't end it like saying, hey, victory, this, or, you know, it kind of just presented, presented the, the two competing kind of goods, you know, in a way, which I think is the best drama. And the interesting thing, and Pete and I noticed this, Dan, you know, because you directed the other one. You could, uh, you directed East Side Story, but also had Brandon in a, making a political stand with his father. Right. But the difference right. was right. that was really based out of guilt. And this was more, more gained out of a political reality of, and, and one that we know in Los Angeles. Listen, for any of those... Beverly Hills kids yeah. who went to high school when we did the town we grew up in, you know what we got Nate Niles is left. That's about it. The, the town is gone. The, the, the Blums and the, 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 uh, the Luau and the this and the that, they are just not there anymore uh, in the downtown business area. Yeah. And, so, um, and then, and how, you know, someone came in with something different, you know, and I was, and I was touched by uh, Jim's performance, Jim Eckhouse's performance, because you know, he also, he's, he's a good guy. And it's like, he was also, you know, telling his son that things aren't as cut and dry and simple as, you know, you'd like to think they are. And I, and I'm not a kingmaker and I don't control everything. And I'm trying to fit into the world the way it is. I can't, I could just withdraw and not support you and not stop this development anyway, but I'm not sure that's really the smart thing to do. And, and uh, again, not resolving that, but presenting that was kind of interesting. Well, and the idea. Let me, let me just say, while Liz is on too, I really, really enjoyed your performance. I thought that was really um, a key to the episode too, because you also create you created a whole whole world that Brandon was invited into, and you could really see the appeal of it, mm. and you could really see, you know, and and you didn't shy away too from, you know, parts like that are challenging because you you might want to comment on the character, but you kind of played someone really having to kind of consider something she hadn't considered, but not really ready to kind of move away from it because it's a nice life, you know? So that was well done. You yeah. Thank you. And you put that so eloquently. It was one of the reasons I was so drawn to the script too. I just love the fact that from her POV, this is just how life works and yeah. I'm going to help you. And I'm going to give you this opportunity because I like you and you're talented and I can help you and we like each other. And this all just makes sense. And we connect all the dots and then you're employed. And yeah. then suddenly, in watching it again, I loved the scene where he took me into the peach pit and I was seeing all the history around it. Right. I love the fact that though I was going in as sort of, I suppose, the villain in a way, I love the fact that you guys wrote Shades of Grey and you let me enjoy the history and take in the history and honestly care about, about Jason, about Brandon. I thought that was terrific. So I, I just had a great time doing it. And I've been friends with Jason for years. So it oh, was that's great. Oh, great. Yeah, I didn't know, yeah. we didn't know that. Yeah. And you had, to be, you had to be that just to fulfill the drama because I think we wanted the audience to think, 
wow, you know, Brandon's met this fabulous young woman. And it's like, what, who wouldn't want to come into this world? And she's, she's great and she gets it and all that stuff. And, you know, you had to bring that at the same time. So well done. Liz, do you remember auditioning for, uh, for 90210 and how you got into it? I remember that I, where did you guys shoot? It was at a warehouse or something, right? <laughs> I love when everybody says that. <laughs> I, worked, um, I had been on All My Children for a while in New York, and I think this was my third job in L.A. And I remember because the show was such a big deal, and I was also auditioning for my friend's show, which is awkward no matter how you put it. I remember it gave me such a feeling of comfort to go to a place that wasn't a studio. And in retrospect, I really appreciate that about your show and about Dawson's Creek as well, what was shot in North Carolina. I think it was so great for young actors to not be in the midst of the glitz and the glamour, to be off like they're, they're acting at camp. And I think about that. Mm -hmm. I was actually telling my husband it was one of my favorite things about it because I was auditioning for this big show that everybody I knew watched. And when I got there, it was sort of like, oh, okay, this is actually kind of comfortable, you know? Um, and then everybody all, everybody I met in the room was nice. So um, yeah, I just remember it being relatively uh, not stressful, <laughs> but um, yeah. Well, I remember, I remember you coming in because it was one of those times, we, we loved our casting director, uh, Jessica and I, Dan worked with all the time, Diane Young, she's really, really a nice person. And, and worked really hard. And I'm sure I had to endure a lot of angry, pissed off agents calling for parts <laughs> on the phone. And, and uh, but she, very rarely did she ever walk into a session with this huge smile. And I remember she, she's particularly introduced me to you prior to the session and like, like this is a really big, we're really honored to have you. You know, she knew that she she was bringing a really terrific person to us, and 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 she took a lot of pride in that. So that's that's how I you know look at your performance as as well in the whole thing. And and yet you know it you know they say that clothes makes the man, but clothes makes the woman. And how Diane dressed you, and your points of view on that, Aaron and Jessica too, was it was just amazing. It it stood out, uh, particularly that blue dark blue blouse. And now that I she know that she's from New Orleans, it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about that, Diane? Uh, coming up with some of the wardrobe for this. Uh, let me take some, see if I've got some stills here. Now, this is what our, what Marcy is kind of rocking, right? I know that uh, when, when Chuck and I were watching this, we loved what you did with, uh, with Shannon, too. She's got this cute little this little thing happening beautiful in that yeah, yeah so just yeah. beautiful color choices that, that, color that diane made on this one you know not not not, not that it wasn't at all but you know but this one look at this <laughs> color the salmon it was it was this is so was this more a diane in your mind is this more a what you're seeing because it's structured and that is it more a, it, did you go for like kind of an 80s look more than a 90s i'm so glad you brought that up i was watching the reunion show and the kid i said kids but right, <laughs> the right. cast um we're saying it was in the 90s but it was really 80s and here's the here's the clarifier Fashion doesn't go 80s, 90s. It goes from mid-decade to mid-decade. So you go from 85 to 95. 
from 70 from 75 to 85 because it all slops over into what people already have in their closets and blah 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 so shoulder pads were on the way out but they were still shoulder pads remember liz we still had those prominent shoulders then yeah i just uh, what you said all the time i didn't know that that's yeah yeah it's a common thing that i hear all the time and so when you start when you realize it and then you start to think about it you're like oh yeah yeah that's right we were still wearing 80s in the beginning of the 90s uh so um as far as color goes i you know, I had a pretty good, beautiful woman to work with. It didn't much matter what I put on Liz because she looked good in everything. Um, but I go for flattering colors. And when you have a cast that large, um, co color overlap becomes a big issue. Mm. Uh, you know, especially when the cast, everybody wants to wear black. <laughs> so. I want to ask Liz if your natural look is those curls or the straight hair you've got now. Great question. You know what? I don't even know what my natural look is. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, it, it's, uh, it, it's funny. I, <laughs> I, I did CSI for a while and Lawrence Fitchburne was on the show and he once saw me come in with my natural hair, which is now straight in some places, curly in others. It's all, he said, what is your background? And I, I honestly don't know. I think I'm French, and he goes, I think your background is somebody's lying. I want to know what is in your background. I definitely still have curly hair, but it was, it's not that yeah. like that any, anymore. Looks it's great. Fun. Looks great both ways. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. Liz, you get to do cool, two cool things that I think every 90210 fan, depending on where you are, uh, dreams of. You got to eat a peach pit burger, which I'll ask you about, but then you also got to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Making out with Brandon Walsh. Making out with Brandon Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Larry, who's usually. Uh, right. Larry would be commenting right now. He's good. Okay. Is good. Larry would want to ask here if he was with us. How would you rate the kiss, Liz? Uh, how was the, the the kiss with Jason? It's Brandon Walsh. I mean, it's a ten, and I and I honestly, I somebody somebody tweeted this to me saying, "I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. You got to make out with him." And I said, "You know what? I couldn't get a date in high school, so I was owed." Like I, I feel like I was owed that kiss from Jason Priestley. Damn it! So um, it, it was good. It, yeah, it, was it looked good. good. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was half of it, so thanks. <laughs> uh, and then somebody asked earlier um, if you if you actually got to eat the peach pit burger. I think I did, and it's so funny. It's a weird thing. I've been I I uh, I'm I'm a vegetarian now, so it's so bizarre. I watched the episode and went, "Oh my god, I haven't seen me eat a burger for a long time." But uh, it looked good. I hope I did. I I don't really I don't remember. It's one right. of those things I should, but um, it definitely happened. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I saw it, so I guess it had to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for Drew, I mean, look, there's all these incredible 
things because you know we're you're you're building the high point center right uh so you have to create this what this high point center might look like how do you guys even start with that uh well you know one of the first things that I, I you know is i have an undergraduate degree in architecture so when i moved to la there was a couple of the people that i went to undergraduate with who came to ucla to go to get a master's in architecture mm -hmm. i started with architects in la in 91 and so when this hit, the first thing I did was reach out to my friend, Karen Lildegren, who was working for a firm and she had made some connections and she had talked to me about some models that somebody had and talked to me about some 3D animation she'd seen. And that was our original thing was, how are we gonna get 3D animation? One, there's no time to, to make something because the turnaround is just too fast. So are we gonna get something that looks any good? And so, you know, I asked her to give me a recommendation for somebody who was using like the best 3D software. And it was another company that like one of her um, uh, master's degree co-students worked for this company. And they said, yeah, come on by, we got some videotapes we'll show you. And so they pulled out probably a hundred tapes. I sat all these 3D and, and so like a lot of them were really interesting, but some of them were just so outlandish. It was like people's portfolios in Europe. And so the one we finally found was a French company and they had sent this around all these architects trying to get business doing 3D renderings. And mm -hmm. at the same time, we had found some models. And so there's that one model where um, the roof comes off and Jason's sticking his hand down in it when it comes back and, the, you know, puts the thing down and turns, which is like the thing, you know, the architects never want to see as anybody handling their model. <laughs> they're precious. But that particular model um, when Jill came back with pictures, because she rented those models from architects, a couple of different ones. And when she came back with that particular picture, it looked like one of the pieces in the 3D animation. And that kind of sold for us that that was the right tape. So we just had to, I had to find this company in France, you know, back then, that was the early days of the internet. And so it was really hard to find them. It took me like three or four days. I finally got them on the phone. They're like, oh, sure, you can use our, our portfolio. And that's how we got that video. But if Drew, I got to tell you, I remember being really concerned about that because, you know, we were trying to sell this guy who was the drama teacher of Chuck's in my high school, who later went on to really do some great roles. Uh, but uh, in addition to this one, but, you know, I knew we got to make this super slick. I mean, this guy, had, you know, and this was 19, what was this, 91 or 92 or something like that? I mean, now, yeah, you know, you know, somebody's kid could go in and make something on the computer. But it's yeah. like then it was like unheard of. And I and I was so I was so thrilled with that match cut from the video to the oh my God, the real model of it. You know, it just seemed like really, really cool. So I appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah. The same thing. You think you're yeah. you're looking at the three D representation of that model when reality yeah. they don't have anything yeah. to do with one another. Yeah. So oh, I I bought into it. Here's the yeah. let's show you the yes. balanced innovative, dynamic. High Point Center combines commerce and leisure for an urban community on the edge of the next millennium. Well, there you go. I wonder if they ever built it. <laughs> Couldn't get the finance. You know what I love, and you cut it. You just saw the just a flash of it, but when d d you pull the camera back, 
and everybody is enthralled looking at it. And I don't think they're acting. I think that, you know, the first time you see that, it's, it's still today. It's like, wow, you know, because because that kind of style is a little bit out of favor right today. You don't see it as much. But it's, uh, or at least I, I don't get a chance to see it as much. Yeah, but, no, the stuff you see today is much slicker than that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At the time, nobody was, you know, outside of architecture and engineering firms, nobody was doing or using any of that stuff. So they didn't publicize it. So it wasn't anywhere. Uh, and then the other event that's happening in this, well, like you said, it's all one thing, but we have this like this college party where everyone's in blue, Diane, right? Yeah. And uh, this is this is pretty cool. Jason shows up in red. Um, do, do you, how did, who picks the blue college party? And do you remember doing some of that, Diane? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, of course, we did uh the main cast and then we loaded the wardrobe trailer down with blue for background mm. yeah so all of the the speaking parts uh the costume department lined up and did and then a uh, background was done on the set and there you are liz rocking your blue how cool that it was Walton Goggins with yes. yeah. lines. And I knew he was going to be a star. He had one line, and I remember in the script it said, why do you think we're so blue? And I remember he said, why do you think we're so blue? Hmm? And he did it in such an odd way. And I thought, oh, he's he's something. He's something special. That was a really cool thing. He lady. really stood out. Yeah. yeah. Andy could, Andy could catch two grapes in a row in his mouth. That was well. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> struggling background. Yeah, important. Listen, a big piece of this episode is Joey Tata. We kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, let me I ask you. Him. Let me ask you, Dan, uh, directing Joey in this. Um, he's so. I think he's beautiful in this episode. What What do you think of his performances, and what do you have to do with Joey? Is there a, Is there a lot? Is well, Joey's, Joey is. Uh, one of these guys whose whose tendency is to go big, as we know. I mean, it's like he he's you know I, I won't say ham, but his his first instinct is to kind of go big. So what was really interesting, and he's charming that way, but sometimes at the expense of realism. And so in, in this this episode, which was so uh, dependent on really feeling his situation, uh, it was really fun working with him, and I think he really liked the chance to really have something to to, you know, dig, dig into. And uh, I thought he did a nice job, really nice. And it's just, you know, to really try to keep it, uh, you know, just let him, you know, just let him, let him feel it. I thought he did a nice job. Let him feel it, not push it. Just let him mm. feel it. And I thought he did a nice job of that. Just and also, yes. I also was really blown away by his haircut. I know that not the haircutter is not here, but his hair never looked better. Right, Jessica? I mean, never <laughs> I mean so look true. at that. That, that that's a Beverly Hills diner there. I mean, yeah. you know, he's got the it was quaffed. It was you know even here, yeah, yeah, very nice. Uh, Jessica, you've talked about Joey before on this show. Uh, what did you think about him in this episode? I loved him in this episode, and yeah. I thought I thought uh, Dan brought out the best in him, and I think that. Um, this episode is one of the opportunities that we got to, to know him as a as a person. I mean, the character grew, and I mean, he we could have kept him in the in the background for a long time, but he bloomed. And I, the other thing I loved in this episode was Willie, and Willie became Willie. We kept writing Willie. 
because he he was uh, iconic yeah. at some point. Yeah, you give him a couple of lines here too, right? <laughs> yeah. We got him in the guild, absolutely. There he is, yeah. That's Willie, for all you guys that don't know. Erin, do you have any questions that you want to throw into the mix here? Um, I just want to say I love the way Liz made Marcy so relatable, despite being the villain. And uh, especially in the Peach Pit scene, you know, when you say, uh, you know, what do you want me to do? Tell my father to shut all this down because I had a good burger. Um, but what do you remember about shooting those uh, heated confrontations with Jason? You know, I don't, I remember they were fun just because, like I said, we were, we were friends. So it was kind of fun to get to do that with him, but also he, he's a terrific actor. So it was, uh, I, I don't remember much in the good way. You know, I don't remember any bumps. I don't remember it being anything but smooth. I mean, Dan would be able to speak to this too, but it just seemed really easy. I mean, my scenes with him were my favorite scenes in the show. It's just really lovely acting with him. I got to act with him on a different show later. Um, you know, he's he's just easy. He makes the whole thing easy. So uh, it was it was fun. It was actually a lot of fun. You know what I love? Let me just say about Jason uh, is I think one of the last ones I was of these things that I was on that came up, and I imagine it's come up in other of your shows. Is in so many ways, Jason is not. You know, Brandon Walsh. <laughs> he's got, he could have been Dylan McKay. I mean, and he could have been the rebel, the guy who, you know, could care less about, you know, what anybody thinks. And uh, that core and spine came out in this. That was kind of a nice opportunity for him, you know, the way he could, you know, he just knew he was formidable for, I mean, maybe now because I've, an, an older parent, you know, I've dealt with kids getting to be that age, which they hadn't, they weren't for me at that time. You know, it's like, you know how difficult it is when your kid is just really, you have nothing to tell me. <laughs> you know, and he could really, he really embodied that. And, uh, and I just think it was the kind of color for Jason to play that he's great at, you know, he doesn't always get that chance when he's, you know, playing, you know, the other qualities of Brandon Walsh. But it's, interesting, Dan, that it's interesting that you bring up that our children were not this age. Right. Our, right. Chuck and Karen had uh, kids who little I had little girls at that point. Avery wasn't born yet. Uh, we had a little girl. Our kids were young and we were still writing our own high school experience. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> We were connected to our memories, and well, in a, not in a only very, that, not no only reason. that, Jessica. Let me just keep going, but I just want to throw in this other thing I thought to mention earlier, which is, you know, my identification more with Jim Eckhouse. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's like as you as you're a parent longer, and you think, yeah, I'm just trying to kind of survive in this world as best <laughs> I can, and not be the ideal right. father. You know, it's like it's not, you know. So it's like it's interesting when you watch these shows where your sympathies go. It's kind of yes, completely. Yeah, yeah right. absolutely. Right. I'm watching it now, thinking Jason talked in that in that meeting. He just stood up in the back of the room and opened his mouth. And I'm thinking it's so funny to me now. Right. Because, but uh, I think I don't think we thought that was out of character at that time. Yeah. We. We believed in his bravery. You mean you're supposed to raise your hand and talk? You're just not supposed to shout out? Now you tell me. And I and I really, I'll just say she didn't have a big part in it, but I really liked, I really enjoyed Andrea in this. Yeah. 
she she just was very she just held that space of like like you know no i'm not going along with you and just those quiet looks oh i'm proud you did the right thing brandon where you go you know just she just kind of held that that's uh she was the that's how the show works best you know you have these characters that just are firmly rooted in themselves and they just kind of you know kinetically bounce around but they each hold their own integrity that's really great in talking about Eckhouse and uh jason they have this scene in the in the um I guess it's a- I choose to railroad this thing right through, no matter what I say, no matter what anybody says. Now, you told me to keep my mouth shut. You said you had everything under control. Well, I did, and you don't. It's a free country, and I'm not going to keep my mouth shut anymore. Brandon, I respect your passion, and I respect your friendship with Nat. But you've got to choose your battles in life, son. I did. A couple of things here. <laughs> I'm going around. That's why laughing, but I know you wrote this scene. Yeah, but also, yes. And, and I think you stuff did a really guys. good job. Did a lot of that. Dan directed a lot of those. But the thing is, what, what, what's the amusing part of it is that um, uh, probably the biggest argument I ever had with Aaron Spelling, how, what he said to kind of quell it and take it down was what Jim Eckhouse says, <laughs> except saying it, instead of saying it, um, I respect your passion, Aaron said, you'd be nothing without your passion. <laughs> right. So, and he wasn't right, he's not wrong, anyone who knows me, uh, right. it, it was leaked to the other. So anyway, that was uh, why you put it on. That's right. I gotta say a funny little production note, it, having nothing to do with the quality of the show, it's like, as a director, I watched it and I think, oh God, why how how could we stage? I mean, the visuals look great in that thing, but this echoey thing is it's like it's broadcasting to everybody. They're yelling, woo, 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 I didn't know if that was a choice or not, Dan, because Oh God, it was so terrible. <laughs> only I mean, because like, I was like, Wow, yeah. this argument. Come here, Brandon, I gotta get you away from that so I can talk to you. Well, let's yell it in an echo that's just <laughs> But it's so it's it, it it's it's so explosive in the hallway that the, the echo actually makes it seem like wow. I mean, I wonder if Dan purposely did that. No, he did not. So there yeah, you go. You know, if you liked it, yes. But <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me uh say the one thing rather than have you know, we did not do our show, Dan, in stereo. We did it in Monoral. This was the choice of Fox. Well, I fixed it for you on that one. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I so I just could always, our looping was not great. I don't like looping. I used to go into, um, you know, the, the just take the walla out, take the looping out. You know, I like natural sound. Uh, Altman was my guy. I like sloppy, you know, you can't quite understand. So I'm fine with it, you know, but, but I'm a minority. I, I get it. I was fine with it too. Hey, uh, for Drew, uh, Chuck pointed out that the, the DSC headquarters is the spelling office. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Just put a sign we up. went there every day. For, <laughs> I was there for seven years every day. <laughs> Would you say you just put a sign up? You made a DSF. Oh. Yeah, we made a sign and put it in, put it in front of the building out front. Just took an establishing shot when we were nearby one day. In real life, a car can't park right out front like that, Jason Park. <laughs> right. Um, I want to talk about uh, John Engel here in a second, mm. but there was a question that popped up that I wanted to ask uh, for Liz. Um, Michelle wants to know if you were a fan of the show 
before you walked in and were you nervous being on the show uh, because, you know, it had been a hit and whatnot. Uh, so what was that experience like for you to walk into that world? Um, you know, I, well, again, it, I knew I knew Jason. I met him at the Kentucky Derby uh, like a year and a half before that. And we, I know, very strange. He had gone to do press for 90210. I had gone to do press for the soap. And so we met and we hit it off and we got to be friends. So I, I didn't really look at him like he was the star of this show. Um, everybody I knew, like I said, was watching this. So I suppose I should have, but he was Jason. I mean, you guys know him. He's just Jason. So when I got there, there's that one moment where you kind of go, oh, I'm I'm in a scene with Luke Perry. Well, this is odd. Um, but you quickly get over it because it was just, uh, like I said, it was an easy place to shoot it. It didn't seem like a big studio production. It seemed like you sort of were acting at camp in all the best ways. It was like, it was like this sweet sort of closed set environment. So it wasn't really a nerve wracking experience, but I give them the credit for that. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't feel anything less than welcome. So, um, you know, that's that's credit to, to them for, for making me feel that way. That's great that you met him at the at the Derby. Yeah. I remember when he went there and I remember Fox publicity coming to me at that point after we guys got back and saying he had too good a time there. You can't yeah, have him have such a good time. You know, basically what they were saying to me. I mean they were they didn't realize they were talking to the absolute wrong persons. <laughs> ABC ABC was furious too because I got back and the people that were running the derby gave me a big bottle of whiskey to say thank you for coming. Right. I was 18 years old. And so ABC was like, this is not the greatest thing to be sending this child to the Kentucky Derby. Right, right, because, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I had too good of a time. He was 22, you know. Yeah, yeah. Not 22, he was 20. Yeah. Two, right, in addition to. Also, yes. Right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chuck, why don't we talk a little bit about John Ingle? He's in this. John Ingle, the other uh, cast member we're going to, uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about. Um I remember being in John Ingalls' class with Dan Adius. <laughs> and there's that man. He taught a lot of people drama. He taught many people at Beverly Hills High School. Started in 1964 and left in 1985. Probably best known for General Hospital, I imagine. I mean, he became an icon of, of, of soaps. He had a big part in that David Byrne movie. Uh, I forget the one it was called. But uh, talk, the Talking Heads guy was really a great, great. great story. He played a priest, a uh, preacher, or something like that. What's the name of the movie, Drew? True Stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, he's great in it. And uh, Chuck, you have one of his students here waiting in the wings here, Carol, who has. Hey, Carol. Good to see Hi. you. Hi, Carol. Dreams Hi. of uh, Dylan McKay. I don't know if you guys all remember Carol. Our favorite nurse. Our favorite nurse. <laughs> yeah. Good and longtime friend, and Dan, Dan, and Carol went to the same elementary school. Right. So I was thinking yeah. that a couple of grades different, but nonetheless, I was briefly and well, and Chuck, and I was in, with, in the same grade with Janet, your sister. Right. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. A while. No, he's a smart guy, though. Goodbye, guys. You were both <laughs> my sister's boyfriend. <laughs> Love your sister. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, John Engel. There is no human who can say anything bad about this beloved teacher. This guy, he, he is the first person who said, Carol, be funny, you're funny, it's okay to be funny. 
Uh, because in my house, <laughs> someone actually said, Carol, don't be funny. I won't tell you who it is, but may he rest in peace, Daddy. Uh, he wanted all the last. He said only one star in the family, so oh. don't be funny. So oh, John Ingle was the first man who was in authority who said no. He cast me in one, you know, the music man and um, uh, the mad woman of Shio, and he would encourage me to be funny. And the rest is history in my life, you know. He, it, it, for for my, for his whole life, every time I'd see him, it was like. You know, it was, I could cry just thinking about him. He was such a, an important figure in my universe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Such a supportive man. He, and the best part, he told everyone to move with come, and then he got to do what he loved and make the big bucks. He's an inspiration to all young actors and older actors, right? Yeah. Chuck, you want to mention a few other 90210ers? There, there's here's yeah, we, we got some. Uh, I know that one. That's something now. These are other, these are actors who, who worked on our show, but also uh, was in that same classroom at a certain point. Right. That's Chris Pena. Class of 1970, and uh, was in my social little world. That's Greg Finderly, the legendary from Hawthorne School. He played I love him. He's up in Boise. My great friend Joshua Carton, who uh, played the driving instructor in One on One, and was cast in The Grass Harp. Uh, I think while you were still there. Uh, uh, yeah, I love that guy. And this woman, uh, this was another one that really did not have to audition. This is Julie Cobb. Her father's a famous actor, like, like Carol's father's a famous actor. Uh, so so is Lee J. Cobb, who played the mob boss on On the Waterfront and got an Academy Award nomination. And she was just uh, terrific. And, and, and my sister, hello, Carol, if you're listening, uh, was in the same grade with her as she was with Greg Finley. That's the class of 65. I remember Greg too? Finley as Billy Bigelow in Carousel. I think he played at Beverly High. What? Didn't he yeah. play, didn't Greg play Billy Bigelow in Carousel, I think? Right. I was in the pit chorus, you know, ah. the chorus in the audience. And, yeah. and oh, that was a great production. Oh, great, great presence on stage and a great voice. Yeah. And, and, and like Liz, has guest starred on every show. I mean, his just were mostly in the 70s and 80s. You pick up on the 90s and this, you have such an extensive, uh, you, you've been on a lot of stages. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been really fortunate. It was great after 90210, that helped me get a lot more work actually. I mean, being on a show like that certainly uh, raised my profile and it, and it, was, uh, it was a great ride since then. And um, yeah, you know, I got an action figure from one of my shows, so I, I can't complain about anything. Like that to me, that's like an Oscar. I got an action yeah. figure, name, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, that is very cool. Um, do you have? Uh, do you have? I'm curious for for Diane. Um, 
everybody messaged me about this story. This is not related to this episode of the girls arguing about a red dress, right? Uh, what oh, was are you talking about a photo shoot? Yes. So, oh, yes. <laughs> so while I have you here, you know what I mean? I know we want no, to. Diane's going to come back numerous times now that we've reconnected. Let's save this one for the Patreon. But, We're all. Well, okay. I, I guess, oh, I, guess I guess I guess where I, I remember I remember some of those games and no no I just wanted, what I wanted to I wasn't even you know go there. a lot of that is whatever happens in Van Nuys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say I hello I love that no I was just going to ask how difficult is that in your in your world uh, you know managing all of those expectations it's a, it's a challenge. You know, it, it just is, but um, that's going to happen when you have young people and so many of them, uh, there's going to be, oh, I like yours better than mine. And, you know, that's going to happen. So we seem to work it out. Um, most of the time we were in good shape, but I'll tell you a funny little story about the cast. The the only cast member that never, ever, ever had an issue was Brian Greene. He, pardon me, he would put on anything I put in his room. So one day I decided to find the ugliest shirt I could possibly find. And I put it in his room and the cast was getting dressed. It was quiet. I'm sitting in the office and I thought, where in the world is Brian? Why isn't he coming in here telling me this shirt is too ugly to wear? And then on the radio, I hear, last looks. <laughs> I jumped up <laughs> my desk, pour into the other building, and I hear rolling, and I'm going, time, time. <laughs> I went up to Brian. I said, Brian, why are you wearing that shirt? He said, because it was in my room. I said, Brian, it's a joke. Oh. He said, thank God, this is the ugliest shirt I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so I had the shirt he was actually supposed to wear in my arms, and we changed him on the set. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God, he's going to wear that shirt on camera. <laughs> Diane, what season was that? How late? How late? I'm wondering how old Brian was at that point. I think that was season two. Yeah. Um, I don't think that would happen. Such a wonderful guy. I did a yeah. movie of the week a few years later, and unbeknownst to me, Brian was one of the producers and the star, and we got to the reading, and when Brian saw me, he jumped up, walked on the table <laughs> over yeah. to me, and he said, do you know what this woman did to me? <laughs> we had a good laugh. Hi, Diane. I haven't seen you in such a long time. Hey, Karen. Hi, Karen. Hi, Carolina. Why are you? Oh, I see you. Oh, my God. Everyone. Good to see you. And that's the well, podcast. The podcast. The podcast. So nice it's, to see all these faces together. <laughs> fun every time. Dan. Hey, Karen. Oh, hi. How are you? He's Great. in New York. He's in New York. Yeah. yeah. Prepping. Erin, do you have any other additional questions that you want to pop in with? 
I know uh, Jessica mentioned earlier how there isn't really a B or C storyline in this one, um, which is a little unusual. Uh, was that something that uh, you intended from the beginning, or did you, you know, consider any other storylines at any point? I don't remember. We, we were we were in we were in just the mode. We were just page one start. This happens. This happens. This happens. This happens. We didn't have any room for really anything else at this. And one. it's very possible since we were writing. We were. Jeff was saying earlier, I think before the podcast yes. began, that. This was a time that was very new to us. Chuck and Steve Wasserman and I working together to do a really fast rewrite on a show that was in trouble and mm. it bonded us and it was over Christmas break and it was at my house and we had a little, we had a baby running around. I mean, we were, we, it mm -hmm. was, we suddenly were in the trenches together and we got very, very close very quickly. And that what I'm guessing happened is that we looked at this script that had come in that didn't work. And we just started from page one and we're from, there yeah. must have been, my guess is that there was a B story somewhere in there and that it had something to do, my guess, with whether Dylan was gonna go to college because that was tipped at one point yes. in the story and then it was dropped. And that, I'm guessing that that may have been uh, what? Or, or let me tell you something else. Or not. It could have also been, you know, for, you know, we were three minutes over and scenes went on the floor. And that's and correct. Get, uh, that is correct. Get, uh, the, the rhythm of it, you that's know, right. you, you needed to do it. And Dan, obviously, as good a director as he is, he's very just equal in the editing room. There's, there's really not much difference. So I'm sure we cut some stuff out. But I wanted, I started by saying about this episode, about being about a, an adult, about Nat, being the peach pit as a character. Um, nonetheless, it was greeted with, why are you doing this? Mm. And it was responded is because what am I supposed to be talking about? You, they can't talk about college. So they so grades don't mean a thing. So they can't do this. And, if, and now, and you've got to pretend, we have to explain for a second. We were in a pretend year. We weren't, we weren't in, we weren't in, uh, as we now say, in real time. We hadn't, we couldn't identify what year the kids were in. So it made the realities of high school very. We, said, we used it, we, you know, no one expected the show to go. So we said in the first year, oh, if they're in juniors. Uh, Jason asked me to do it and we did it. Nobody really cared of the network because, yeah, this show's not going to last. So we had to repeat. <laughs> and it made us look like idiots, you know, in the eyes of a lot of people right from the start. But what else would we do? I didn't want to do that again. And I thought it was starting to mar our uh, creative process. You know, here's when that was, everything was scattershot and we were taking advantage which we took a great advantage in, in in seasons three and beyond and after, the fact that Steve and Jess's DNA is soap opera, is serialized storytelling. This is what they were yearning to do, as was I. I came out of a lot of MTM shows, and that, that we would say they're all serialized. You know, it's what we did, so... The, Sim the Simpsons don't grow up. Uh, the 90210 kids. That's exactly right. <laughs> the Simpsons don't grow up. That's what Fox was used to, remember. Right, that was right, their big yeah. hit. Uh, Kristen wants to know, Liz, on a scale of 1 to 10, how good is of a kisser is Jason Priestley? I'll turn that up to 11. 
<laughs> what am I going to say? No, uh, no, it, it was good. It was, it was a damn good guess. Yes, you did say that. Uh, and let's see if we have any other pop-in questions. I don't see them. I do love, though, Jessica, you mentioned the Dylan thing. And he doesn't seem to be wanting to participate. I love how Dylan is in this episode, right? He's, he seems like he doesn't want to be involved in the High Point Center stuff. He doesn't want to go to college. So I could definitely see where your, where your thoughts are on that. Uh, and I think that this is one of those episodes, too, that continues to define our characters and uh, in in ways, and they start to behave in this season in, in consistent ways. We start to get to know them as people. We, we throw them into situations and they respond as the characters. The characters are dictating. Characters are telling us how they feel and in ways that we as writers and as an audience begin to understand. And that's one of the things that was really great about this show was they they had emotional lives that felt real to all of us. And Diane in the clothes was demonstrating that, you know, it was Dan certainly Dan certainly was bringing that to life, helping them to to mold these uh, these characters. And it worked. Well, I was just really happy we got to see it again, just because this was not one of Mr. Spelling's favorite episodes. He let me know that more than once. <laughs> and uh, it, it holds up well. He was great. It has nothing to do with anybody's work, by the way. I enjoyed it again. What were you going to oh, say, Dan? Uh, I'm centering myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still curious as to what that was going to be. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, anybody else want to talk about Joey before we wrap up here? Drew, um, how about for you? Did you have any interaction with Joe, Joey Todd? I just want to make sure that we say how much we all love him here. And um, I want to send him my love. I'm just mwah. absolutely uh, a wonderful guy. Uh, used to, used to uh, my office was right next to the peach pit. So people would come by and, you know, mm -hmm. CDs and all kinds of st crazy art stuff in my office. So people would come by all the time. And yeah, just hang absolutely. <clears throat> well, that, that sounds like the coolest place to have an office right next to It was. It was <laughs> that's when I really got friends with the art department, Drew and Tom, because I wasn't we saying, right, we weren't on the set very much. We were not based in, in Van Nuys. We were based on Wilshire Boulevard. But to get to the set, Oh, there my guy. What's going on? And and then you'd also get a sense of is our episode in trouble? Drew was always no, we're fine. And Tom was always oh, look at. <laughs> and we coordinated really well, didn't we, Drew? I think the peach pit uniforms turned out great for that set. Amazing. When I was watching it today, the one thing I always I always think and I hadn't thought about this for a while is that I'm so glad we did the peach pit and we did that that way. Because when Jason was on Saturday Night Live, they spoofed our set. Oh, and, you know, that's, like, that's like you know a pat on the back. I've always thought about that and go, yeah, Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah, that's cool. big time. Hey, Diane, what about you working with Joey? Oh, I I love Joey. He was just so easy. He really really easy guy. Um, charismatic, sweet. Couldn't say enough about him, but I'll tell you, he was really excited about this role. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He oh, desperately yeah. wanted to break out of the peach pit for a minute. 
And um, he was excited about getting out of his uniform too. <laughs> I was going to just say that. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Yeah. About, we put him in the suit, Jessica, I think, or somebody yeah. wrote that great line where he says, you know, he buried nice his father in, the, in, the, in that suit. You know, yeah. Great line. You he know? was really excited about this episode. Yeah, I was happy for him. And he he looked good, too. Hair was great. You're right, Chuck. Yeah. Hair was great. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. I think we've covered this episode pretty good. We hit all the beats. Chuck, yeah. yes? Oh, absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. Great to see you. Great to yeah, see you all. And we want to see all of you again, I'm sure, for something down the line. Hey, Chuck, Bye, next week everybody. we're talking about sports, baseball, and football, right? We're talking baseball. <laughs> and because football little... never seems to stop, we're talking football. That's In right. The first yeah. of 90210 Sports, Volume, volume one. 1. That's right. Volume we're going to do a little spring training and then that flag football game in the Dylan, Dreams of Dylan McKay. So uh, that's going to be next week. And then don't forget about uh, Story Slam. That's going to be a lot of fun, too. So make sure you guys start getting all your videos in. This has been a lot of fun. Aaron, thank you always for joining us. Thank you, Aaron. Of course. Wonderful. Thanks, Aaron. And uh, great to see you all. And we will see you all again soon. Nice right. to see you, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Thanks for having me.